0: Welcome to Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. It's like coffee with an analyst, or it could be whiskey with an analyst, reading a spreadsheet, linking crime events, identifying a series, and getting the latest scoop on association news and training. So please don't beat that analyst and join us as we define the law enforcement analysis profession one episode at a time.
1: Thank you for joining me. I hope many aspects of your life are progressing. My name is Jason Elder, and today... We are doing the wrap-up show for the Association of Crime and Intelligence Analysts New Horizon Podcast. And of course, the host is Paige Kenningale Paige, how are we doing? That's
0: such a great introduction. I'm doing very well. How are you?
1: I am doing very well. It's funny. I got an email from an analyst who says that she puts that... I hope many aspects of your life are progressing in her signature of her emails.
0: I love that. It's really encouraging.
1: Yes. So, yeah. Well, I didn't want to be too much of an optimistic and say all aspects of your life. (laughs) So let's manage expectations here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Some part.
1: (laughs) Anyway, welcome Back to the show. We certainly have been partners now for over a year, and it's worked out really well. And other than having you on as a commercial on my show, I've never had you on my show, so I thought it's about time that I do. Yeah, so, I'm excited.
0: it's about um, time. Yeah, it it's is good to uh, be here.
1: For those that may not be aware of the purpose of your podcast let's start there what people can expect when listening to the new horizons podcast
0: yeah that's a massive question and you know that's one i ask myself all the time with the rest of the asia members you know what are the purpose of these podcasts originally it was to develop our analytical skills through the interaction and exchange of ideas and knowledge that we have on our podcast but i think it's more than that now i think it's just being honest about things that we are facing honest about the challenges that actually are in this industry and being honest with ourselves and actually realizing that hey i actually might need some more help in this area and that's when you get people messaging like can you maybe do a podcast on this because i need someone to talk about this aspect of my job that you haven't touched on yet so i think when people listen to my podcast hopefully number one they don't get tired of my voice (laughs) because i don't (laughs) think i'd want to hear it for over 30 minutes but I hope they can take away something because that's the purpose to me they can take away something and hopefully adopt that message into their everyday practices and further than that talk to the individuals we've had on the show so if there's anything someone said that might be beneficial and you want to delve into a little bit further all my guests are so open to receiving messages and just to have a conversation i think it's really important to understand that only we know the language we talk when you're working in this industry. Beyond that, it, perhaps it's a little bit difficult and not translatable. So I think that those that listen to the podcast, they're going to get a real buzz from it and learn something new or or something that they've heard before and think, oh, my God, we have not progressed at all and probably are horrified by it. But I think just to learn and just be honest about everything.
1: Yeah, expand the horizons, right? Correct. So with that accent, you're obviously from Iowa, right? <laughs>
0: Oh, I'm well. London, and it's as I was saying, it's gloomy and dark here at the moment. So, yeah.
1: Hey, wait six months, and then everybody will be complaining that it's too hot.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what us Brits are like. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: given the international perspective, and certainly you're not an analyst snob like me, where you have to be an analyst to be on my podcast. What types of people that you try to get on your show?
0: Mm-hmm honestly Jason I remember when I first approached you about this podcast and you asked me the same question over a year ago (laughs) who do you want on this podcast and why do you want those individuals and I was like I just want everyone honestly that hasn't changed I am willing to listen to anybody because we can learn from everybody whether that's the financial sector Mm -hmm. whether that's sport betting whether that's intelligence or policing and analysts whoever we can learn from them you'll probably see from my past respondents I think it's evident that I really do approach everybody and anyone that is willing to talk to me.
1: Pull them straight off the street, right? <laughs> right.
0: Oh, yes. You right, got
1: there, me. right there in the train. Hey, do you want to be on a podcast? Let's I wear talk. a
0: sign. I wear a sign on the underground, like podcast here, and they just come and sign up.
1: Please talk to me. <laughs> I'm oh lonely.
0: <laughs> Literally, that's my life. That's my life. But I do. I just talk to everybody. I think recently we just had Mark Evans. You've gone from having someone that's so high up in their field and someone that's making, you know, drastic changes yearly and everyone knows who, who he is to people that, You don't know about an analyst based in one police force here at 43 in the UK. That's just talking wisdom and just the, the things they're talking about. It's like, wow, where have you been? We need more people like you. So. I just recruit. I'm on LinkedIn. So if, if anyone sees me, it says, Paige, can you go, search your profile? You know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going to approach you to come onto the podcast. <laughs> That's yeah. how I recruit.
1: When you get them talking, mm. they're real. They're telling you their story. They're telling you their contribution, how they have helped mold this law yeah. enforcement analysis profession. So I guess before we get into The wrap-up portion of this year, I do want to take some time and talk about the ACIA itself. Because again, some of my listeners may not be familiar with the ACIA. And I'll even admit, when you first emailed me, I was like, is this person dyslexic? It's IACA. Why is this person consistently saying ACIA when it's clearly IACA?
0: Oh, gosh, if anyone could see how red my face is right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's ACIA. Yeah, Associational Crime and Intelligence Analyst. Do you know what? I don't even remember how I found out about them. I think it might be my supervisor and she was like, there's so many people. And I was just on Google because I started my PhD and I just knew that I needed to be in the midst of these conversations and around people that you know, are important in their in their field. So I knew I needed to be with these people. And I remember Googling and they came up and I remember just messaging Keith. He, he's great, he oversees everything. And I remember messaging Keith and just saying, hey, like I wanna join, this is what I do. And we had a chat over the phone. It was like sort of an interview process. He was very kind, but it was sort of, he was trying to suss out like what I was about. But yeah, I've been with the gang for a while now and we're just a community where crime and intelligence analysts from all diverse backgrounds, We come together, we share thoughts, knowledge, tools, tips, and we just want to learn from each other. And we have so many members. We have, I think, I know it's over 1500 on our LinkedIn we have many followers as well and that's gone up over the year just by blasting loads of you know stuff out on social media to get ourselves known a little bit more because you're right we're not Ayaka, we're not Iah we're not <laughs> these massive organizations that have presidents we are honestly a small group of volunteers that get together on a Wednesday night and just talk about how we can help our field so our analysts and other police personnel and ultimately Jason that's just to shape the future of intelligence analysis and sort of encourage that transformation within that field. So that's what we do, and we just want to support as many people as we, as we can, really.
1: Yeah, so does Keith have a last name? Jackson. Oh, I was really hoping you said Richards. I was hoping you and Keith Richards were just talking every Wednesday.
0: <laughs> we have a Richard, we have a Steve French. We've got two new people that have joined our little volunteering group. We're expanding. <laughs> it's
1: great. Well, very good. So, you know, in in the States, we like to fight over whether it's crime analysis or intelligence analysis, and you, you don't seem to have that over in the UK. You
0: know, I think it's really hard to identify who engages with us more than others. I know Keith spends quite a lot of time looking at these tools that can sort of determine who's engaging and who's not. Mm-hmm. But I think both. And that's our mission. We want both parties to come together and share their ideas.
1: I know that Aaliyah is harder to get guests on. That's for sure. I get more no's from Aaliyah than I do the IACA. And I say IACA because IACA sounds like I'm throwing up in my mouth.
0: (laughs) IACA. Yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, it does. i echo. i'm gonna think that out the whole time
1: <laughs>
0: yeah i I've had a lot of nose, not from my IACA, but I mean, we haven't branched out that far because ultimately these organizations are massive to us and yes, we have contact Mm -hmm. with them. You've also got the EACA now, Sam Stein is new, his new organization. We want to join forces. We want to join forces with everybody because it's just a benefit to everybody. There's, I just don't see there any, why should there be competition? We should work together. We're striving for the same thing.
1: Yeah. I thought about reaching out to Sam, but I wanted to give them some time because it's really just a couple of months old, right? But we should definitely have him or a representative from that association uh, on both our podcasts.
0: 100%. So. Yeah. Well, I just interviewed Sam. That's a podcast that's going to come out shortly. So nice. that's going to come out. Sam's amazing. Met him at a conference. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely. Oh, just another individual course. that's done phenomenal stuff in his in his career.
1: Yeah, no, his his voice. I if I was creating a cartoon, he would be a voice of one of the cartoons because it's very <laughs> distinct. It. Yeah. A, a, distinct and very yeah. articulate. For English being his second, third, or fourth language that he speaks, he speaks very good English. Yeah, he does. Well, let's get into a podcast then and just talk about some of the top moments from your perspective when you look back yeah. what's been the highlights for this year for you
0: okay i think the highlight for me is just the amount of individuals that have been willing to speak to me jason people are like this is cringing. so cringing i actually might ask you to delete this later but people get starstruck about celebrities and these individuals that are so famous i'm actually not like that Like with Mark Evans, for example, I've read his work for so long and finally I'm in a position where he's actually willing to talk to me. The same with individuals that aren't so known, but they're willing to talk to me and share their stories. And we're vibing with each other and we're bouncing ideas off. And I think the top... (laughs) The biggest moment for me was the friendships that I've made after this, and they're willing to help me get to where I want to be with my career, my PhD research, and you know the casual drop in the emails like, "How's everything going? I've got this for you. Would you be interested?" I'm like, "Hell yes!" It's just, <laughs> it's the networking. It is the networking. It's been absolutely amazing. I remember meeting Jeff Wires from Cami Condon, Dr. Cami Condon, and her husband Jeff. He was able to identify. I can't believe I'm even saying this. It's still my it's mind-blowing. He was able to identify via individual work he was conducting a base where ISIS members were working from. I mean, that's one analyst. (laughs) <laughs> One analyst. I just I could I just couldn't believe it. You had Mark nuttle, you know, the voice of reason, the things that he was saying to me, I was like, yes, I get it. Like it just things he was saying, it was, it was so much experience. You had Kenja who came on the podcast and spoke about autistic detectives. I've never heard a podcast around detectives with or autism and highlighting the fact that there's there's not a lot for them in these workplaces for them to be able to cut up their role the amount of feedback I got from that was actually really powerful and it was very moving so that's another top moment for me and I think my top moment will be meeting Dr. Condon, Cami Condon. The friendship that that's blossomed from podcast and the things that she was saying as a woman. It was, she was just yeah, she she's my girl. She she gets it and the challenges of of working in this industry and just the story she was saying. It was it was real and I really appreciated how real she was on that podcast. So those are my top moments. I have so many, so many. Yeah,
1: yeah you're right. That is kind of cringy. <laughs>
0: Everyone's going to be laughing at me. I'm kidding. Can we edit it out?
1: Of course we can edit out anything, but that's not fun. You mentioned the autism part. I was just talking with somebody who was in the military and worked with analysts in the military, and there were people that he's pretty confident were on the spectrum, but you never talked about it because if you brought it up, they would have to go get tested, and if they got tested... To have any kind of issue, they would lose their clearance and couldn't do their job. So it was an unwritten rule. You just never questioned that aspect of these analysts.
0: Yes. Yeah. And the things that, you know, Tanya was saying on the podcast and the work she's doing now, even to this day, it was like Why has nobody thought of this before? Or they probably have thought about it, but there's no room or appetite to maybe to maybe take it further. And you have these detectives in these roles that just need that extra help. And once they found their rhythm, you've got them because individuals with autism, they are so clever. You need them on your team. So it was just. Outstanding work, outstanding work. And it's something definitely I want to look forward to in the future podcast. I want to highlight it a little bit more.
1: You're getting a variety of backgrounds. So you're getting all the way up to executives. You get people that are currently in the role and you get some folks that are retired.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's important. It's important to understand both both sides, ends of the spectrum, you know, things that they've learned back in the, let's say, the 90s, wherever. And then now in 2022. And actually what you find is it's very similar. Nothing's really changed. And that's interesting within itself.
1: Yeah. One of the things I did a little bit differently this year is we had a series where we interviewed analysts that have only been on the job like less than four years. Yeah. That was interesting to get their perspective. But I do get analysts that tell me like, well, I don't think I have enough to talk about or I don't think I am worthy enough to be on this podcast. And then I'll get the resume and they'll have like seven years of experience and doing all this stuff, I was like, what are you talking about? You've done all this stuff, whether you're on association committees or teaching classes, most people think they don't have a story to tell, but everybody has a story to tell.
0: Could not agree more. Yeah. And I think it's imposter syndrome that really does play a part when people are asked to come onto a podcast. They think, what am I going to speak about for like 30 minutes to an hour? And you're right. They have so much to think about, but they just can't put it into context until you start asking the questions and then their mind's just running wild. It's it's a really interesting dynamic to be in. Yeah.
1: I do prep calls with all the guests. So we talk about, not that we script the show, we just come up with the topics and what topics do you want to talk about? What don't you want to talk about? So I don't ask a question that, you know, I will have to edit out later because I asked the question that you don't want to talk about. It is from their perspective, it's talking about what they've done. So it's not like they're trying to put together a theory or a suggestion. It's not like they're trying to convince the world of that they should think the way they think. It's just talking about what they've already done. I usually have trouble getting my show under an hour once we get talking. Yeah. So, yeah, easy done. So, all right. So we do have a little bit of overlap with our guests. So we have Don Rebe, yeah, and then we have Nadia Tuminen. And so, Nadia, I hope I nailed that last name. I, I had did. to listen to my recording just before we got on there. So I hope that I nailed that last name. But both of them have been on both our shows.
0: They have, yeah. Great guests, both of them great guests, bringing different experience and views within the field. Well,
1: Dawn published her second book in as many years, The Overachiever, that she is.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. She's
1: going to say, quit picking on me. I picked on her at the IACA conference. When I think about it, they're very similar. The way they have their own companies, they teach classes. They're going at a different angle that I think is not the common path.
0: I definitely think that, and I think they're both very. They've got a lot of fire within them. That's a lot of fire, but healthy i think you hit the nail on the head i think they both want to achieve such great things and they have already both in their career and personally so i really do like nadia because i follow her on linkedin And her page is so inspirational, just it could be the listed thing and it would just light up your day. And when I was speaking with her, I was like, ah, you are, yeah, you're like me, you've got fire, you are saying what you think. And she's learned from some things, as she said in my podcast, you know, she's learned from mistakes in terms of how she's approached things in the past and trying to understand the dynamic within law enforcement and working within that field, perhaps. And then you have on the other, Dawn, who is the exact same, found these gaps and thought, why not? why not let's make books let's write two books and Mm -hmm. then do all these other courses and stuff so very similar very very similar actually
1: yeah and they both would tell you that folks spend too much time on the mistakes that they make yeah and that the the whole mental aspect of not only the job of being an analyst but it's just your everyday life yeah like they're both goal-oriented and mental health is a big part of what they bring to the table.
0: Yeah, mentor have really important, really important. I've just remembered something Nadi said to me on the podcast. She said people need to learn to say no and saying no is absolutely <laughs> okay. And honestly, I remember stopping the podcast and I said to her that was so powerful, and people are going to probably sit here and listen to this and probably laugh at me, but actually, no, to hear somebody else say that that's okay is really important to me because I run myself to the ground sometimes and I don't say huh. no, I take on everything. So, when she said that, I was like, Yep, that's a good bit of advice to everyone that's listening to this,
1: yeah. So, yeah, and speaking of learning to say no, I just had Jonathan Softly ah. on the podcast, he's from Texas, and that was one of his big messages. It is, he had to learn the hard way of how to say no. When he left one position at a police department, they replaced him with like eight different people.
0: Eight?
1: eight different people took over his responsibility when he left. And he had just so much on his plate that he was doing everything from RMS work to data management, to analysis, to uh, administrative analysis, Just a whole gamut of things that he was had on his plate. I don't know how he ever
0: got anything done. Yeah, and they usually go by capacity. You know, here in the in in the UK, I've been told that you take things on if you have the capacity to do it. But it seems Mm -hmm. that people are just they're they're leading unhealthy, unbalanced, you know, lives. And bless them, every time I speak to an analyst, I think it's just the pressures that they are being put under within their workplaces. And I found that similarity throughout all my participants. It's just a shame, you know, like eight people to, to take over one role. That's, that's terrifying.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a lot. His big thing, Jonathan, was, not only do you say no, but you you explain why you're saying no. Absolutely. And you or explain why this can't be done now. This this is we have already have this many things projects that we're working on. We really can't add that now or you know, well, we already have this thing that already kind of does that, so we would be duplicating if we, if we take this project on now. And so I think it just goes with time and experience that you get to the point where you're okay with giving recommendations to begin with. I, I think, unfortunately, when you're young and you're just starting out, when you give a recommendation, it's almost taken not as seriously because everybody knows that you're new and you don't have the experience. Yeah. And then once you get the experience, then people seem to be okay listening to you that says, okay, you've been doing this for 10 years. Okay, I I get it. Yeah, your uh, your suggestion has some weight.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree with yeah. that.
1: So then, oh, well, I'm, I will call out one person who should be on both of our shows, Steve French. Yeah, I mean. Steve I, French excuses. should be on both of our shows, yes. I mean. He's as like he's in court all the time. That's his excuse. Is I mean, come busy on. <laughs>
0: he's
1: I mean, so busy. <laughs> yeah. I mean he's working like seventy hours a week. I mean, come on. I mean that's you know, he doesn't have to sleep.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I keep trying to get him on, I keep hinting, but hopefully now everybody listen to this will just point at yeah, Steve like guess podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You should just you should just show up at his house.
0: Isn't that like against the right to a private life? <laughs> probably <laughs> i don't know what you do in the states but here in the uk we're all quite lunchy, so. and like, yeah. out, un, like, it's... i
1: was like hmm you haven't ate breakfast yet neither have i let's talk over breakfast what do you what do
0: you got <laughs> yeah right it's not like here in, that's not like here in the uk you have to be invited jason to to come round oh, for breakfast
1: yeah i mean that's what you should do. You're right. I know. But I, know. You know, I don't know. We obviously are under extreme situations because he hasn't taken the hint that he needs to be on your show.
0: No, I know. And I work <laughs> with him. So it's, <laughs> like, he can't get away from me. <laughs> There's nowhere to run. Steve, if you listen to this, I'm going to drop you a message after this podcast.
1: Yes, and I am too. So... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hi, this is Steve French and I have a message to you about language. Language is really important when you're doing your job. For instance, it isn't a zucchini, it's a courgette. It isn't a lobby, it's a foyer. It isn't Z, it's Z. Buses go on routes, not routes, and it is never, ever made out of aluminum. So I'm Rachel Carson, and my public service announcement is to use time wisely now, I swear that we could all get through queues in half the time if people were ready for when they get to the front of those queues. Like you can be in a queue at an airport or in a shop and people get to the front and suddenly realize that like they need their passport or they need their money or whatever. The worst is at train stations here in the UK. So in most stations, there are automatic barriers and you need a ticket to get through. You know, it's no surprise. The barriers are always there. And yet the number of people who walk straight up to them and then they spend five minutes rummaging through their bags to find their ticket blocking the way for anyone else to get through. And when I was commuting daily, this was a huge stress factor for me. So, yes, my public service announcement is to be prepared and use queue time wisely.
1: All right, so what's next for the podcast?
0: That is so big. I'm gonna to continue to what I've been I've been doing this whole time. I'm gonna be myself. <laughs> Some people may think I would wing it. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that might be true. No, I think it's just having more discussions with individuals that are in senior positions. I really wanna get what I found, Jason, is that when I go to these conferences and in my in my line of work and what I do in my research, I find that I'm talking sometimes to the wrong people. I'm asking the questions to the wrong people. So I want other senior you know, officials to be coming onto this podcast and answering some of the questions that I've seen from this year that some of the analysts have discussed. You know, Mark Evans has discussed individuals from Canada, US, wherever, and get them to really answer and understand the situations and get their perspective on it. Because I think that's important, too, because they might see it in a completely different light and have, you know, positive outcomes that they, they could potentially share that they've seen throughout their career. But I think it's hard sometimes to engage these individuals, and many individuals actually, because I think we live in this secret world. And I remember speaking to James Sheptike when I was living out in Canada. Great guy, he got, God, so clever, so clever. And he said to me, hey Paige, it's a secret world. And it's just, that's all it is. It's just a secret world. No one wants to talk about these these issues and these areas or if they do you know, as I've said in the past, it's just on their terms. So I wanna just keep stalking profiles, take that lightly <laughs> and let's
1: <assistance> <laughs> Cringy and stocky, you're good. All right.
0: <laughs> oh God. and just see how they, these individuals can benefit the conversations and ultimately what the conversation's is going to be around I think you know culture siloing training that's been brought up before but I think I really want to focus on the gaps that perhaps we haven't highlighted both of us haven't highlighted this year but definitely talking to a lot more people I want to get somebody on from HR I really do because there are so many people that don't understand the process of joining a police force and I'm talking about international students, I'm talking about individuals that perhaps have, are looking to come over here and, and join one of our police forces, there's no real guidance as to how that is for someone that doesn't live in this country. So having someone on for HR and just breaking down that process a little bit, I think will be quite beneficial, but some people might be sitting there shaking their head like that would not interest me at all.
1: <laughs> but maybe. Well, from your point of view, though, if you're talking about the police department mm-hmm. at the UK... You're, you have one HR, yeah, right? Whereas in the States, we have 17,000. Gosh. It does get a, a little muddled mm. over yeah. here. And it's, everything's different, right? I hear from analysts on what questions they can ask and what questions they can't ask. I talked to one analyst that says their department cannot accept a resume. If you bring a resume during an interview, they will not accept it.
0: Why is that?
1: And so I, I believe it's I don't know if they think it's has led to bias or mm-hmm. they only if they want it, everybody coming from the same exact application and it's the application and it's the interview that's right there in front of you. I don't know if they're trying to control it. So it's all apples and apples or or what. But it just gets to the point where there's, there's too many rules and done differently in too many different ways. Mm-hmm. And there's certain situations where you have HR and then you have the hiring manager who's actually going to be the boss of these analysts. And HR does their own decision-making on what names actually get passed forward, mm-hmm. which is, I've heard stories where I'm like, well, I would have hired that person. like, And you didn't even send them to me. Yeah. It's... Really gets messy. But from your perspective, having one HR, one basically channel to get to, I think it would be fascinating. And I'm sure it's still very chaotic because you're still yeah. dealing with thousands and thousands of people. So, you know, it's going to get messy. Just the more people you have, the messier it's going to be. Mm
0: hmm. Absolutely. And just to answer some of the questions, because this information is not accessible online. And whilst I understand that I really want to delve into this topic a little bit, I do understand the sensitivity around it. So I am I understand why they perhaps wouldn't want to come on. But there's nothing wrong in a conversation about how this process works and what candidates need to potentially have to be able to be successful that aren't from the UK.
1: Well, where there's a will, there's a way, especially with on the intelligence side. I feel that When they aren't comfortable or don't want to talk about a topic, it's they use that convenient reason. Well, I can't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And well, there's certainly I'm not expecting them to give you the exact questions that they ask candidates, but they certainly can describe the process or process and talk about the types of questions that they can anticipate. Mm -hmm. There's certainly the there's. There's the recipe without giving up the special sauce, basically, that yeah. that that they can talk about and should be able to talk about because it is difficult getting in. I mean, that's one thing that I highlight on my show is that look, every analyst that I talk to started with nothing and got their foot in the door one way or the other and built a career for themselves. Yeah. And at some point in time they were there with no experience maybe some college maybe not and just worked their way up to become a law enforcement analyst and everybody has done that everybody puts their pants on the same way in that that regard that you're not alone and it's really difficult to get your foot in the door
0: Oh, 100%. 100%. And I think that goes back to the points of what my top moments were. As soon as I spoke to Cami, she just got it. She got how difficult it is. And it will be, honestly, for quite a while for me to get, I don't know, to get fully in. Are you ever fully in? I don't know. But (laughs) I mean, it's just, just to get close, you know. So, yeah, I think it's important. I also want to try I don't know I don't know how I feel about this actually, but I want to try live podcasts. So like people when they can like tap into the podcast live. Like Suzanne, how she does hers, the police science doctor. She does them live yeah. and people can just tap in. I'd like to do that but I can't yeah. edit, I can't edit it. Mean, <laughs>
1: you can't edit it and yeah, I would get on there and there would be like four people in the live chat, you know.
0: Same as me, no one will attend. Okay, no, I'm not
1: trying that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, okay. So mine would have to be explicit because then I would start swearing when everything starts to go wrong. Yeah, okay, I'm not trying
0: that. It was a good yeah. idea whilst
1: it lasted. I have done reactions to conferences. They're not live, but I don't, by the time I'm, I'm recording them that day and I'm recording them that evening, so hours later. So I do not edit them much. Right. I don't I don't take the time to edit them too much. I was at the TALIA conference, the Tallahassee Association conference in August, and Jerry Radcliffe did a live podcast. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess it wasn't. Well, he recorded on on air. But now that I say that live, I don't think he was actually going live on his podcast, but he did record it in front of people in front of a large group like that. So there would be that aspect of it that especially for like the ACIA is to have an event in which you have your members there and you're on stage talking with a guest and that is your podcast so you're so recording you're recording in front of a live audience
0: type gosh, thing gosh could you imagine my face would be so red i'd just hide i'd get steve to be the host <laughs>
1: No, you would you could do it. I mean, hey, we're not—it's a podcast. We're not going to see how red your face is anyway.
0: Yes, but the people there would be like, "Did you see that Paige Kenning Gal? Her face was so red."
1: Well, hey, you could be like Kanye West and just have a black mask over your face. That we probably will have to
0: edit out. <laughs> yes, yes, my fashion—that's not my my taste in fashion.
1: Yeah, you could just uh, yeah, you could just be wearing a helmet the whole time.
0: Helmet. <laughs> With the, uh, the visor on, no one can see my eyes or my face. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah now even better yet, you would just go into this chamber where no one can see. You could just see the guest, and you, no one can see you. <laughs> Bless them and so, and so there's just this voice of questions coming from this chamber. <laughs> oh <my> gosh. <laughs> you could be the you could be the analyst behind the curtain.
0: That's what it is. I love there that. Go.
1: There you go. The analyst T M trademark.
0: I love that the endless behind the curtain. Oh, it's yeah. Jason, I think you wanted something here. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Next year. Well,
1: yeah. Well, you throw so many ideas on there, you're bound to get one that's worth ten dollars.
0: <laughs> just got to find people that will join me.
1: Yeah, people come to speak, and there's the real formal aspect of yeah. a talk. But there, I think there is something to where you're just sitting down and talking one-on-one, like. Like any kind of late night show where you're sitting on the couch and you're just talking and it's not necessarily them giving a speech and a presentation where you're showing slideshow after slideshow after slideshow. There's this dialogue going back and forth that I do feel people... That would be in the audience would find it beneficial. And certainly, if you get to the point where you run out of questions, you have all the people in the room that can supply questions, right? Yes. So.
0: Yes. Well, we'd hope we'd hope yeah. that some, some put their hand up. No, but you're right. It's just a nice natural conversation. I don't like formal conversations. If I don't have to have them, I don't. I won't have them. And the yeah. podcast is just something fun. Just a yeah. talk. Get to know how crazy I am, and then yeah. get to know what what that individual's been up to.
1: Yeah. Hmm. You could do it like the Mass Singer, where you just have the Who's person. Who's
0: that behind the mic? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could disguise their voice and interview them and see if the the audience can guess who they are.
0: Oh my gosh, The <laughs> Mask Singer Analyst Edition. Cool Jason, I don't know what you're drinking tonight or t- well this afternoon where you are, but the yeah. ideas are just great.
1: Yeah, I got I got a ton of them. I just need someone to listen to me, I guess. I'm the victim. Yeah, you are. You are. (laughs) Well, you know, you mentioned siloing. Yeah. I talk often on my show of how I think there's too much data. I, I think there is too much data for one analyst to consume in many locations. I think if you have a really small jurisdiction, I think you can have an analyst that can read all the major reports and be able to truly know the temperature of a police department in terms of their criminal activity but most places aren't small and you get multiple analysts that bigger police departments and you know we're not documenting every single thing that we see and hear and so there's you you never know when something's going to be important but when you're that Small-town analysts, you'd be like, oh, I remember reading something about that last year. What was that other case? And they, they know. They can make those connections. Then you get to bigger police departments, and you get more data. And analysts can spend their whole time, I believe, on Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat. And that could be their whole entire deck of researching folks.
0: Yeah, I could believe that. Mm-hmm. Right? I could I mean, believe
1: that. I mean, social media alone is... Big enough that it would consume your whole day if you don't have a clear path of what you're trying to accomplish in a day.
0: And that's a problem. I think it was Cliff. I can't pronounce the surname like you are sorry cliff i have probably got that wrong you're probably gonna kill me cliff actually said during one of the podcasts that he feels that analysts should there should be analysts that are known as investigative analysts so they are the individuals that have these more niche roles where they can connect the dots just better like a little bit better than working in the back rooms and being siloed and then bring them forward throughout the whole case So they're there understanding the data and like you said, there's too much of it. So if they take some of it and understand a little bit more, it could be beneficial. And when he sort of um, coined that, that idea, I just thought, yeah, that's pretty... That's pretty insightful. Imagine if we did have investigative analysts, not just SIOs or like investigating officers or whoever. We actually have investigative analysts that could take this workload off just a little bit rather than being ordinary analysts, as you say, that could potentially just sit on social media all day because Mm -hmm. really they could. It's just how we utilize them, how we use them, how we understand them. How we understand their role, because I think that's misjudged, mis, misjudged all the time, mm-hmm. and and where they're meant to be based. But then I think the onus is also on the analyst to fight for what they what they need, and I know some people do, but also try and understand their path. It's a really difficult industry, isn't it? It's really difficult, and I I do feel for them. Well,
1: well, I think when you're talking about intelligence, and especially like the military intelligence. Yeah. Right. I had David Cairns on, CIA analyst, and he was brought into the CIA and he was given one topic, one area go. And that's all he did was talk about that one study, that one area, that one topic. And he became the subject matter expert in that. And along his career, he he, he was studying it and a lot of times these analysts don't think they'll ever be important. And then all of a sudden something happens in that particular area and that there's been studying for all these years. And then that's when the light shines on them. Mm-hmm. And I I think in a lot of respects, analysts wear too many hats and are stretched thin and yeah. they're pulled here, they're pulled there, they're pulled everywhere. And they're the jack of all trades and the expert of none type thing. And I think that has its pluses and minuses, right? I mean, in terms of bang for your buck budget wise, I mean you're only gonna get so many analysts, so what else are you supposed to do? Yeah. But in in regards to you know, being able to truly create analytical products and be subject matter experts, that's that's not the best course of action.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I think, yeah, I definitely think you're right. I definitely think many people that are listeners can relate to that, especially analysts. They do wear too many caps. I remember speaking to an analyst and they were saying to me that they wanted just to work on a specific type of crime but they weren't Mm -hmm. allowed to because they needed to be used elsewhere because other people didn't have the capacity and i think there's two sides of it they really just want to focus on that one side perfect you've got sort of an expert in that field now that could just Mm -hmm. potentially just keep taking those cases for you but then do they need to know everything and that was another question i was asked the senior manager that i was interviewing at the time he flipped it on me he said page he actually put yeah, he said, I'm not even going to say it, <laughs> hmm. but he, he, he flipped it and he said, why, why do they need to know this stuff? Tell me, why do they need to know it? And I was like, do you know what? Yeah, good point. Good point. I don't have an answer for it. I'm asking you and you can't even give me an answer for it. So why do they need to know? He's going back to sort of all those trades under your belt.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess we got away from siloing. <laughs> there but I mean but yeah. that gets back back to siloing, the the need to know well that's right if you you get to the point where okay you have this silo of information and it's trying you're trying to protect it and you're trying to make sure that only the right eyes and ears get exposed to it but mm-hmm. do you really need to know that information and it's like part of me thinks like well you never know what is you, that you, you never know when I'm gonna need that When there's a critical incident, I'd like to at least know that it's there. And if I need to break that glass, so Mm -hmm. to speak, and get into that information, right? So if you don't want to give me the information, I should at least know what's in there. So I know what questions to ask, to request when I think it can be useful.
0: Mm -hmm. But most of them are in sort of these back rooms, whatever they look like. So it's hard to demand that kind of information. And yeah, it comes back down to siloing. Being put
1: in a corner. place. Yeah. We mentioned the military. There's still a lot of military residue on police departments. You you Mm -hmm. still have that rank and order and need to know. And there's still a lot of that going on. And I don't think I'm necessarily poo-pooing the whole idea. I just think that there's got to be certain paths and certain knowledge that everybody should know, when will they need that information? Or when do they need to contact that person or that department? And that's what I think is lost. If you, it's one thing to say, hey, this is sensitive information, we need to restrict what's in this silo, for instance. Mm -hmm. But everybody in the department should know when they should ask for information in that silo right one of the best advice that i ever got was from captain russ neville from the cincinnati police department and he, the Nevilles are actually the whole family a lot of pedigree in the police department there's like three or four of them that were all like captains and majors in there and i think they all had this philosophy that he said you need to know the goals and the roles of every unit at the police department. So when it's time and you think you need that unit or you need that person, you know how to get there and when they need to be involved.
0: Yeah, that's a really good bit of advice. I wonder how many others follow something similar to that. And have the time to know everyone's goals mm-hmm. and roles. That's a lot to
1: yeah. consider. Yeah. It's really hard. And I was just within the police department. I always tell analysts that one of those things that you can do is study every department that's within your city. Yeah. I've said this too many times. I'm getting broken record on this podcast. But at Cincinnati Police Department, I found that Parks and Recreation kept their own database. So they had graffiti. They had uh, license plate numbers in that, that database. They had people that they talked to, things that went on in the parks that, that could possibly be relevant to a case I got access to their data and was really surprised what was all in there. And that's just one example. It was like, okay, what data is being captured throughout the city? And again, most of it you probably are never going to need. But you should, at least should know in case that one time comes up where it does become important.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So. All right. Well, good. Moving on. Let's talk about your PhD then. That's obviously a lot, big part of your life right now and influences what you do in the show and your goals. So mm-hmm. what do you hope to accomplish with the PhD?
0: Getting that doctor in front of my name. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, It's beyond that. It's more than mm-hmm. that, no. though. Yeah, I think it's just becoming an expert in that field and having that status of, I know what I'm going on about, which has taken me a very long time to believe that when I'm asked to do conferences and asked to sit in meetings and briefings or whatever, I actually do know a lot and that imposter syndrome needs to go, <laughs> but it does to a lot of what I do in everyday life and, and and the podcast that was the whole reason why I wanted to start these podcasts because I just wanted to talk to the individuals that I was researching about mm-hmm. and uh, helping sort of within my next steps or whatever that whatever that looks like but yeah it's a, a massive piece of work 100,000 words due next year but it's fascinating to me I am a nerd I am people won't believe it, but I am. I, I find this very enjoyable. I haven't had a break. I've gone from undergraduate, then postgraduate, then PhD. So I haven't had a break, but it's all it's all in line. Everything that I did for my dissertation from undergrad has helped me to get to where I am here because I conducted a couple of researches. So yeah, it's looking at the operation of intelligence processes within UK police forces, a massive topic, but it's been eye-opening, really eye-opening.
1: Yeah. So what are some take-homes that you're hoping to drive?
0: oh, you're gonna have to wait till this is published next year.
1: Oh, yeah. well, you give us a, just a little taste then.
0: Some of the things that I've spoken about in my podcast are very evident within my PhD. sort of the need to know that comes up a lot the need to know about particular structures that are implemented here in the UK and worldwide, my I add, that actually we don't necessarily use and there's not an appetite to use them. That was really like I was taken back by that because I was thinking wait a minute, but in the in the on the paper, It says that you had to adopt this. And actually, in reality, they don't have to do anything. As long as the job is done, I quote, then why do they need to do it? Why do they need to know it? So that was one of the takeouts is if there is a way, it will do it. It's it's all about bilateral agreements, I think.
1: Interesting. And so that 100,000 words is... Next year.
0: Next year. I've just written up my findings chapter, and that was about thirty thousand words. It needs a lot of editing. So, if my supervisor listening, don't worry. I haven't forgot that there's a lot of red marks in this piece of work. But we're we're getting there. It's slowly moving, and I've enjoyed every single bit of this process. I really have. I really have. Yeah. And it's a leeway, right? For other females and, and males and whoever else to come through and follow in, in these footsteps. I was the one that followed Joe Ratcliffe, James Shepticky, you know Mark Evans, all these other individuals that researched around these areas. That's where I got my ideas from, and my, I found my gap. So I'm hoping it's going to be influential some way. I don't want the book to be sitting on the shelf. In short. Yeah, well,
1: I Hopefully. mean, it still may, but hey. <laughs>
0: I'm just going to sell it outside my house. Yeah,
1: there you go. Yeah. Well, hey, that with your sign of please come talk to me right there and said, hey, if you come talk to me, you get this free book. Free book.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll sign it. I'll sign it as well.
1: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I think we certainly have a lot in common in terms of just the the dialogue and the appetite to talk to people and learn. But we definitely are not the same in terms of that desire to write 100,000 words. The reason I started the podcast is like I suck at writing. So this was my way of writing a novel without writing. So each episode is a chapter in my book that I don't have to write. So in fact, Mindy... Yoon writes the notes to the podcast. I don't even write those. And I got somebody that does the social media posts. Now that I think about it, I I try to do very little writing in this whole process.
0: Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, you know what you're good at. You know what you're not good at. So that's a positive.
1: Yeah, it it is. But I, I do find it fascinating, the drive. Of people to just want to be a subject matter expert on that, and and just to go through that whole process, right? Because you say it, and it sounds like it's not that big a deal, but I can only imagine the time and effort that it must have taken to write just a hundred thousand words, period. Let alone to go through this whole process, to learn and to finalize it for your PhD.
0: Yeah, it's frightening and believe like. I- I'm not like this all the time. I don't speak about it like this all the time. There are times where I cry. I cry about it. I am frustrated. I've never said that I don't think I can do this because I know I can, but there have been moments where I've doubted myself and I've been doubted. By, you know, you know what it's like when you go to a conference or you're you're in a room, an important room, let's say, and people are questioning you. And I'm all for it. Question away. But when you get people that are sort of undermining you, I remember I got told that I should be studying hair and beauty. I shouldn't be doing this. And that 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 took me back. That took me back a lot. But yeah, the drive there, I'm passionate about it. So that will never leave.
1: There you go. You need to wear a mask wherever you go, so people don't look at you and say, "Oh, that person should be in hair and makeup, not yeah." So
0: yeah, I I didn't have anything (laughs) to say back. I just sort of like did that. It's only crying. I cried. I ran to the toilet. and Cried. I mean,
1: oh, you didn't need you didn't need to cry. Now
0: I'm like I mean
1: i don't know most people i think don't even intend to insult you they're you know yeah. I, I'm sure sh- if you if you talk to them they were trying to be funny and trying to you know not yeah. be boring like me and so
0: <laughs> boring no it's uh, you meet many different characters on this journey yeah
1: no so but hey as you said you'll do it and You'll yeah. look back and it'll be a great perspective and all worthwhile. I think that's what you gotta keep. Like this is win, lose, or draw. This is something that very few people have accomplished, and that you did something. And what yeah. that will be, no one can take away from
0: you. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm excited just to have that doctor in front of my name. <laughs> that's what well, I'm doing it for. No, I'm joking. Well, not. Yeah
1: well i'm I'm really looking forward to just being old and getting the senior discount
0: the o a p
1: yeah, it's a senior discount and eating at four o'clock. I mean, I think with the last name elder, I think I should be able to get the discount now, yeah, but you don't look right. old
0: though so that's, that's
1: yeah good. well, yeah, I'm in my forties, so yeah.
0: All right, let's
1: talk about personal interests then. So since you are a nerd, it should be no surprise to anyone that you're into Lord of the Rings and Star Wars. (laughs) You just got done with Rings of Power, and you thought it was great. I thought it was boring, but people said that they didn't care whether it was good or bad. The fact that there was a Lord of the Rings series is all they really cared about.
0: I'm that kind of person where I've watched Lord of the Rings so many times, I find something new in every single film. And I can't just watch one. I have to watch, you know, from like The Hobbit all the way through so that I get the whole story absolutely yeah. love it people won't realize that it would not even would have thought that i was remotely interested in star wars lord of the rings but sorry folks i am i absolutely love it yeah. my saturday night would consist of just sitting on the sofa and watching these kinds of films or i like to play scrabble and board games yeah. um, that's all worse searches god i sound so old I sound
1: yeah you're so right old. so old yeah you're 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 old woman Kenningdale. That's what (laughs) you...
0: But it's just, I I like to do things that gets me thinking. I like thinking.
1: The thing about those Lord of the Rings movies, now looking back at them, they're all so long. So to me, it's the commitment is a lot. Now it's a lot easier now that you have all these different streaming services that I I just want to watch a moment. Like I do turn on Avengers Endgame every once in a while and watch, watch the final fight scene in that. But, you know, that's a half hour. But it's a lot to watch some of these three hour plus movies
0: yeah it's my comfort i try and honestly usually i don't watch tv i come Mm -hmm. in quite late my days start quite early i'm an early bird and i can't come home quite late depending on where i am with work so i'll try and schedule it sounds so sad we'll talk about mental health and things sometimes you need time for yourself but i struggle to like schedule a Netflix documentary like a serial killer or something so actually when I was living in Canada I was watching a crime series every night with my friends so that was great I I was have I felt so good but now I just don't have the time I just don't yeah. have the time to be watching these films but yeah maybe this weekend I'll uh I watched Lord of the Rings or Star Wars. Star Wars is another one. Gosh, I just love it. I just love the action.
1: Yeah. With that though, that's one thing I liked about Andor is it wasn't this laser beams and lightsabers yeah. and it wasn't all that where they're just reflecting the 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 pew pew like eighteen hundred times. And Andor, it wasn't that. It was this heist. Yeah. That that. You you knew the ending, and yet I was still found myself to be intrigued. Yes, exactly. Because it's that. a pre, you know, for those that don't know or care, it's it was a prequel, right? So it's like, but I found myself caring about the characters and to to get into the idea of the Republic, the bad guys, and to get what were they thinking type of yeah. thing. No, so. no, agree. It was it was really, really good.
0: Yeah. Our listeners would be like, What are they going on about? Go watch it. Go watch it and message me your thoughts.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. All for it. I'll have a yeah. conversation
0: about it on my podcast, Star Wars.
1: Yeah. You can but... always do that. Nerd out on Star Wars and
0: <laughs> Yeah, happy. Happy yeah. to do that. <laughs>
1: See, that's what you do. Next A C. I A. Yeah. You dress your guest up in, you know, Darth Vader costume and And have them speak the voice, and that's your, you know, mass singer that you can. Who is this person?
0: (laughs) Gosh, yeah. Give that a go. Ask
1: him about. Ask him all these Star Wars questions. So, (laughs) man, Uh, do you do you have a favorite movie with Star Wars?
0: No, equally the same. Equally the same. Even the Ewoks. Yeah, yeah. I like the old Star Wars, like Princess Leia and how like everyone was turning bad and. The newer ones, so much more action. Still enjoy them, but I like the older films. Love
1: yeah. the older films. Yeah, the the newer films. It's funny to me. It, what they needed with the newer films is they needed that blue collar character. They needed Han Solo. Mm-hmm. The first episodes one through three needed Han Solo, and I thought seven through nine needed a Han Solo, where you have this. Renegade, blue collar, doesn't play by the rules person to feed off of the goody two shoes, get eyes mm-hmm. and just to be there to save the day, to be that important cog in this machine. And you need that love triangle there in that there too. There needed to be that love triangle, even though, you know, in the first ones you find out the one, you know, Leia and Luke are brother and sister, but you didn't know that in the beginning. I know. Right? Right. They had that little bit of triangle going on. but
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Gosh.
1: Yeah. Like this, is, this, is, this is what happens. So yeah. nerd, at, nerd it out. So. All right. Well, our last segment to the show is words to the world. And this is where you can promote any idea that you wish. Paige, <laughs> what to are your words to the world?
0: My words to the world are words that I continue to tell myself. Be kind to yourself. Things happen for a reason. Trust the process. You are you are where you are meant to be right now. So just trust the process.
1: Very good. Wiley. Well, every guest with you've given me just enough to talk bad about you later. <laughs> Thanks, Chase. But I do appreciate you being on the show, Page, and being a partner in Lelier Podcast. Thank you so much. Happy holidays and you be safe.
0: Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode of Analyst Talk with Jason Elder. You can show your support by sharing this and other episodes found on our website at www.leapodcasts.com. If you have a topic you would like us to cover or have a suggestion for our next guest, please send us an email at leapodcasts at gmail.com. Till next time, analysts. Keep talking.